Welcome to Bibliophiles at Home, a book club podcast for introverts. I'm Camilla. And I'm Jennifer. Each episode, we will break down a book using current bestseller lists, Goodreads recommendations, and of course, book talk. At the end of each episode, we will announce our next book so you can read along with us. So grab your favorite beverage, get comfy cozy, and join us as we embark on this reading journey from the comfort of home. Happy New Year, and welcome to Season 2 of Bibliophiles at Home. How are you, Camilla? I am excited to be here. It is literally the first day of 2024. It is. And we're recording. That's commitment. Yeah, New Year's Day. Yeah. We're very excited to kick off our second season. I think it made the most sense to kind of break it up that way, Mm -hmm. because we had a pretty long first season. Yeah. We have a lot of episodes. So that's good if you're new to Bibliophiles at Home, you just found us. Great time to catch up on some of our backlogged episodes. And also, we have a lot of new exciting stuff we'll Mm -hmm. be doing in 2024. Yes. Also, I stand corrected because when we had our discussion last time, you thought that we had started our podcast in April. And I said, I thought it was May, but it was April. Oh, really? Our trailer and our first episode dropped at the end of April 2023. Wow. Okay. So we're even getting close to a year of doing this. That's exciting. I'm glad you went back to look. I never would have known that there was a correction to be made. Yeah. That's awesome. And uh, so before we get into the meat and bones of this episode... How was your holidays? What did you read? What have you been up to? <laughs> it's been a good holiday. I have been reading a lot. Um, just I feel like I've read more in the last couple weeks than I've read maybe in the last two months. Yeah, so I read, um, should I just go one by one? Or should I just say everything I read? And then we'll talk about it. Mm, why don't we do what was your best holiday read? Hmm. Best holiday read? I think probably was the one you recommended to me. Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. (gasps) Okay, yeah. So let's talk about that one. And of course, this is going to be a spoiler-free episode. So if you have not read any of these books, please don't feel that. No worries. Yeah, no worries. So Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine is by Gail Honeyman. I think that might be her debut novel. Yeah, I was looking to see if there was anything else she's written, and I didn't immediately come across anything. That doesn't mean she hasn't. But. Yeah, I, I didn't. I agree. I didn't look into it too much, but I'm on the same page as you. But that was also my favorite read of the holiday break. Really? Yeah. And I just came across it randomly. Like sometimes when I'm trying to not spend all my money on books, I'll just go on Libby and see. Um, like I'll filter it based on what's available mm-hmm. to read now on my Kindle. And that book happened to be available. I rented it. And literally once I read, I think I think, honestly, it was like two sentences in, and I knew. You knew it was going to be a winner? I knew I was going to love this book. And again, we're not going to do a deep dive into it, but I just will say that she wrote one of the most memorable characters that Mm -hmm. I've ever read. Yeah, I would agree. I think that the main character, it's told in the first person, all from Eleanor's perspective, and her voice was really outstanding. And there, as you told me ahead of time, Um, And I totally agree. There was so much character development. It was really amazing to watch her change as a character throughout the story. Oh, my gosh. And it was a really good coming of age story. Which I haven't even read in though a while. she was like twenty nine or thirty, but yeah, yeah it was still yeah. a coming of age story. Yeah, I think you know it was one of those books. Like it kind of reminds me a lot of Demon Copperhead, mm-hmm. in that I will never forget Demon's character. Like his character has such a strong, prevalent voice that I can 
really remember. Like, there's so many books where not for, you know, no, no dig at the author, but there's not that much memorable about it. Maybe mm-hmm. like I remember certain plot points or I don't know, you're reading all the time. It's easy for things to blend and be like, what book was that again? But I feel like I'll never forget her tone or voice. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. I'm glad you liked it. I was like, you have to read this. And I feel like I strong armed you and you did it. So, yeah. hey. Yeah. That's awesome. I really liked it. Um, so some of the other things I read were um, I finished out Iron Flame. Ooh. Um, I also read a book that had been recommended by several friends, not directly recommended, but I had several friends on Goodreads or on social media who had read it, which was uh, The Wishing Game by Meg Schaefer. And that book, I don't think it is technically marketed as a YA book, but it did read kind of like a YA. Oh, interesting. Um, I really liked that one. Um, I also read Ruthless Vows and Divine Rivals. So opposite order there, though, Divine Rivals and then Ruthless Vows. Um. You had recommended Divine Rivals because you really loved it. Yes. And lucky for me, I chose not to read Divine Rivals until the day before Ruthless Vows released. Yeah. So I didn't have to wait like you did. I know. And you really powered through uh, I did. Ruthless Vows. Yeah. Well, yeah. We're, we're going to an author event, I think, as we mentioned in our previous episode, um, to see Rebecca Ross. And I wanted to make sure I had finished those books before we went. Yeah, right. So, that's coming up. That's this yeah. Friday. So mm-hmm. that's really exciting. Um, I want to take a pause. I'm pretty sure The Wishing Game, what I'm hearing rumored, because that was actually a book of the month club book. Okay. I, I did not pick it, but I'm pretty sure within the next maybe month or so, Book of the Month Club will release their nominees for Book of the Year. Mm-hmm. And I'm hearing that that might be their the Book running? of the Year. Oh. Yeah, or in the in the running to be uh, the Book of okay. the Year. So usually, I don't know if anyone uses this subscription, but every month you ch- you know choose a book between like five or six hardcovers. They have audiobooks. Um, if you become a BFF, basically, mm-hmm. which just means that you've been paying the subscription for <laughs> over a year or whatever, mm-hmm. they give you a free book when those nominees drop. Okay. So I'm hearing a lot of people online are very excited to do the voting and we're hoping that that's going to be dropping soon since we're in the new year. Yeah. And I'm hearing a lot of really good things about that particular book. So yeah. it's on my TBR. It's it's a great book. I mean, it it was warm, cozy, you know, it was it was good. Really liked it. Oh, that's good to know. I'll have to check yeah. that out. And then what did you like rapid fire think about Iron Flame? That's a hard one because I I feel like there's been a lot of mixed reviews. Some people feel like it wasn't as good as Fourth Wing. Some people liked it better than Fourth Wing. I kind of, I kind of felt the same way about it that I felt about Fourth Wing. Was that it's interesting, Mm -hmm. but I'm I'm just not I'm not feeling it the way some people are feeling. I'm not feeling the series the way some people are like. This is a great series. I'm so excited. I can't wait to see what happens. I just felt like it was kind of. No, nah, it was it was a little bit filler for me. It took me a while to get through it. Like, I think I told you when I was reading it, I would read a chapter or two. And then I was like, oh, that's enough. You know, I, I don't I don't need to immediately know what's going to happen next. I can wait. Yeah, it so, was very dense. I yeah. felt like a lot happened, like plot wise. Yeah. But I, I felt that the character development didn't stay at the same pace mm-hmm. as the plot. So mm-hmm. I almost felt like that book maybe could have even been split in two just based on all the different events that take place. Mm-hmm. Um. I, you know, again, she's not Hemingway. I probably have said that before. (laughs) Yeah. She's really entertaining, and sometimes you need a good popcorn read. But I also don't 
think that it was the worst book I've ever read. So oh, yeah. to see I people wouldn't... hating on it that much, I was like, mm, yeah. is that really warranted? And I think you had told me there had been some, you know, rumors that maybe the voice sounded different and speculation that she hadn't actually written it. And I didn't get that impression at all. No. It sounded very much yeah. in the same vein as Fourth Wing to me. Yeah, it did. It's, you know what, it's just entertainment. That, that's yeah. literally the only value. But I want to be entertained. So I'm your target audience if that's all you're trying to give us. But mm-hmm. I do think that she did answer a lot of questions. Like I think when we did our episode and our conversations after, there's a lot of theorizing that you can do about plot points of fourth wing. And she mm-hmm. did directly answer some of those yeah. in her second book. And then I think it's fun going into the next one. There are still a lot of things that I feel there's like a lot can. of unanswered questions. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. so I mean, I want to read the next one because I want to know what happens, but am I left thinking about this and wondering about it and theorizing. No, I'm. I, it doesn't occupy that much of my mental space. I'll just wait and see what she comes up with. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So movies coming yeah. too, I guess. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. I don't know if it's a movie or it's going to be a show, but so- something it got picked up somewhere for okay. some reason. I think dragons are in. Yeah, dragons yeah, are dragons definitely are in. in. I think dragons are going to be here to stay. Mm-hmm. So I think you know, HBO has been kind of like at the helm of that with Game of Thrones and then House of the Dragon, both are excellent shows. Mm-hmm. But I think that this will be a different vibe entirely. And I think it, I think there's a lot of people that will be interested, even if they haven't read the books to mm-hmm. watch another dragon show. Yeah. So I don't think, I don't think she'll do poorly with that. I mean, we'll see how close the adaptation is, but this might be a situation where what we see on film may be equally as delightful yeah. you know yeah dragons are awesome <laughs> yeah i mean sometimes it ends up in some ways being more entertaining you know it's e- easier to consume a yeah. show or a movie yeah. than a book yeah some in some ways absolutely so, yeah that's awesome and yeah. then anything else uh you read? yeah just one other book so this is a nonfiction. so um i read a book a collection of short essays by lauren graham who played lorelei gilmore on Gilmore Girls um, called Have I Told You This Already? Oh, yes. And you also so, went to go see a reading of yep, hers. That's yep. amazing. My uh, my oldest daughter and I went to see her at an author event. Um, it was a little bit of an interesting event because this book is not new, but her initial book tour was rescheduled because of COVID, I think. Oh, wow. Um, so this is this was the paperback issue. Um, that they were celebrating oh, wow. rather than the initial release. Um, but yeah, it was she she didn't do a signing or anything, no meet and greet. Um, but it was still neat to get to see her in person and yeah. listen to her. And um, she has a very distinctive voice as well. Yes. Um, there is a lot of who she is in the character she plays. And she acknowledged that in her talk. Um, I think that was actually one of the audience questions that she fielded had to do with, you know, how much of you is in these characters. And she said that for her as an actress, um, that's a that's a big part of what she brings to every character that she portrays. So that was neat to get to read a book that she was actually there promoting. And and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that sounds totally awesome. I was quite jealous when you told me you were going to that. Um, And interestingly enough, this morning, so it's New Year's Day. Uh, and my husband and I slept on the couch last night for no good reason other than that we stayed up so late <laughs> yeah. past our bedtime. And so I woke up this morning, the TV was on, and Gilmore Girls was actually playing. And he told me that he wanted me to wake up to something that he knew I would like on the TV. So he turned on Gilmore Girls. <laughs> so he Girls. turned on Gilmore Girls. He's like, I-, I honestly was surprised because we normally don't sleep with the TV on. Mm-hmm. But, you know, New Year's Eve, what are you going to do? But that's awesome. So it sounds like you had a lot of good reading. Um, yeah. I kind of want to circle back to. 
uh, one of your reads, but I'm going to tell you what I read first and then we'll circle back. Okay. Um, but yeah, I had a busy, busy reading, you know, what is it? Like a couple weeks, month? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The holidays. Yeah. I feel like when we last recorded, we, it wasn't even Christmas yet. So no, a long time has passed. So I did actually read a couple of books by Allie Hazelwood mm-hmm. that I thought were interesting. I think we actually mentioned her in our last episode and you mentioned that you had not ever read anything from yes. her, but that you were going to. Yeah. So I did end up doing that. I ended up reading Love Theoretically and Love on the Brain. Um, Neither of which are, I think, the one that she's known most for, which is The Love Hypothesis, Mm -hmm. and I think might have been her debut. I'm not really too clear on her uh, body of works, but I thought that they were fun. They were solid, fun Mm rom-coms. You know, they're memorable in that her two books are different plot points, or like they're different plot lines. I I don't feel that they mesh in my brain into a blob. Are they different tropes? I would say no, but the characters are memorable enough that I can distinguish one from the next. Mm -hmm. And you said there was some overlap with characters, right? Like there might be a character in one book that is then like a mention in another book. So her characters that are in The Love Hypothesis are in the background of Love Theoretically. Okay. So you would, they kind of make a cameo. Okay. And you would know who they are. So she does write very specific, I think, uh, enemies to lovers trope. But she does it in a very interesting way because a lot of, you know, the two main characters that I've read of hers, they're both strong female characters that work in academia or STEM. And I think she, as an author, she also is in STEM. She's a doctor, I think, is some kind of neuro... Isn't she? Am I making this up? I'm not sure. Maybe she is. Oh, my gosh. Okay, now I have to double... Like, I need to double check this because I might just be saying a bunch of nonsense. But I'm pretty sure the vibe that I got was that she is... She has a background in that. Yeah, that she is in either STEM herself or in academia. So, yeah, so she's a neuroscience professor. Okay. Yep. So she does... This is just off Wikipedia. I pulled it up so fast because I didn't want (laughs) to say something wrong. But, yeah, they were fun. They were, you know, they were solid entertainment. Um, They're distinguishable. I feel like sometimes if an author is in one particular... genre their stories can start to feel like recycled yeah you know you can anticipate everything that's going to happen and it's possible that that applies to her as well but i didn't feel bored with either of the books and um particularly love on the brain takes place at nasa Mm -hmm. which is also really cool that she's like writing these like you know interesting stories and and cool settings as well um so i would recommend it um i you know i guess when i did my year end it kind of broke down my genre. I guess I spent a lot of time in romance that I didn't think I did. But I also want to say that that I think it is categorizing any historical fiction that has romance sometimes gets bundled into romance. Yeah. Like I think Outlander is considered romance. I would say that's definitely romance. But isn't it historical fiction? No, because it's magic. There's not, that's well, not real. Well, th- well, there's definitely historical fiction there too. I mean, there's lots of historically accurate um you know, events and things like that. And uh, I think she did a lot of research in terms of how the just way of life yeah. in that era. But yeah, I think it definitely it's it's all the it's it's a lot of genres rolled into one. Whatever. <laughs> fine. Yeah, I'll give you that. Uh, Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. I, we already talked about that. I don't have to touch upon that too much. But yeah, that was an amazing read. That would have been in my top five for the year. One hundred percent. I don't think I could have knocked anything else down, though. So yeah, I might have one. had to, you know, have top six. 
Um, an interesting book that I was not planning on reading, but I enjoyed quite a bit, was Convenience Store Woman by Sayaka Murata. Mm-hmm. Um, I apologize if I mispronounced that, but it is a very, very interesting, it's a short novel. So I listened to it on audiobook. I don't even think that if it was the written word, I don't think I would have I don't think it would have been more than a couple hundred pages, but the author is a very prominent author in Japan. Mm-hmm. So sh- the book is translated, and I thought it was a beautiful story. It it made me think a lot, which was really good. And it was, in, you know, it was quick. It was only like a couple hours to and listen to. And it was to. fiction, right? It's fiction. Okay. So it tells the story about a, um, you know, young girl who kind of seems like she has something going on in her childhood where like adults find her to be like troublesome Mm -hmm. you know she just seems to get in trouble she doesn't understand like social you know social nuances Mm -hmm. um and then she ends up getting a job at a convenience store but then 18 years go by and she's still working at the same part-time job so i think it's supposed to be a commentary on how our employment might define us to an extent Mm. Uh, but i thought it was so interesting because there i don't i'm not gonna quote this verbatim but the main premise, which this wouldn't spoil it, is just something to think about, is that in her life, people don't value that she has a stable job because they see her employment as like a dead end. Oh, I see. And so they would... So they she, judge her based on the what her job is rather than her staying power and her yeah, commitment and yeah, that sort of thing. exactly. And her family, when she starts to kind of make decisions that kind of to appease them, like perhaps leaving that job or considering leaving that job or getting into a bad relationship, her family would rather see her in chaos because she's doing things that they deem normal Mm. versus appreciating her stability of all those qualities that you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. So it's it's kind of an interesting take on that. And it makes you think about like, what do we value as far as like our careers go or our interpersonal relationships? Like, is it better to be in a really bad situation just to appease everyone else because you're meeting these social norms that they've placed on mm-hmm. us. I don't, am I describing no, that well? Yeah, that, definitely. Yeah. So it was really, really good read. And I did stop at Barnes and Nobles recently and it looks like they have a, pl- a lot of other, her other books there. So I definitely could see myself going back to this author. I think I honestly saw this book on a Reddit list maybe a year ago and it was on my TBR. It was short, which I loved because I was really trying to get my reading goal in this year. So I gave it a try and I was not disappointed. It was, you know, not mind blowing, but it definitely gave me a lot to think about. Right. So I enjoyed that quite a bit. And then my last book of the year was Ruthless Mouse. Yeah. So I'm really excited to meet Rebecca Ross. So she is going to be signing books for us. So that's Mm -hmm. so exciting. I will say having read another one of her duologies that I think I prefer the other one as far as like my favorite of her works. Mm -hmm. And that's the Elements of Cadence duology. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved those two books. It's A River Enchanted followed by A Fire Endless. And I think she uses uh, some Scottish folklore to kind Mm -hmm. of build this magical world. And I found that to be so beautiful. Um, I love Divine Rivals. I, I felt like Ruthless Vows, there was something missing for me. Mm. I enjoyed it. I still liked it. I still gave it a good rating. But I felt that there were some things not tied up for me. Mm. And that's my spoiler-free analysis. Okay. Um, not that I d- did, did not like it. I did like it very much. It was just 
But I am, she's one of my favorite authors. So regardless of like, I'm going to keep reading her, yeah. her works. Um, and hopefully she has something coming in 2024. She hasn't released yeah. anything, but maybe she'll, maybe she'll give us a, yeah, maybe she'll give us a sneak, uh, sneak peek or something. Yeah, that would be nice. No pressure, though, if you're listening to this, Rebecca. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> now, how did you do with your reading goal? Did you have one in 2023? I did have a reading goal. I had a goal to read 50 books. Um, according to Goodreads, I read 43. However, I think I did actually hit 50. There were some books that I chose not to count um, because I felt like they weren't worth counting. <laughs> and I'm not going to say anything else other than that. Okay. Um, but I felt pretty proud of myself because this is terrible. I'm going to go into it right now. So I was looking at some of my past um, reading challenges. And I believe that um, there were some years where I was like, I think I read like two books out of however many I had. Yeah. So if I go into my past challenges, I think all the way back to 2017 was when I started signing up for challenges. Yeah. Um, In 2017, I had a goal to read 10 books and I read two. I probably read more than that and just didn't log them because I was sort of in a a phase of life where I was really busy and just that it wasn't my priority. Also, I feel like Goodreads just in the last couple of years has kind of blown up in terms of people using it and how popular it is. For sure. But if I look at my past challenges, okay, in 2017, I read two of 10. 2019, I read 9 of 20. 2020, I read 15 of 20. 2022, I read 24 of 50. And this year, 43 of 50. But really, I think I was closer to 50, if not at 50. Um, So I feel pretty proud of myself. Um, You know, we I posted recently on our social media on Instagram, I think on Facebook as well, this article that I think is about a year old. So it's not new. But the author was talking about how um, Goodreads for her was counterproductive using counter using it as a way to count her uh, total books was counterproductive because it turned it into this objective and this uh, chore rather Mm -hmm. than reading being a joy. Yeah. And I don't necessarily feel that way. um, But I I do think there is there is a little bit of a dopamine hit, right? When you log a book and you Mm -hmm. see and it tells you you're ahead of your goal or you're right on track. And then there's there's a little bit of a a feeling of inadequacy when you see, oh, I'm four books behind. And and then does that spur you on to read more? Or does that make you feel that you're a failure and you just want to give up? So it, it's a conundrum. Yeah, I can definitely see both sides of it. I mean, I've never really used Goodreads until this year. I think I only logged one book in 2022 and I didn't have a reading goal. I know I read more than that. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think more than 10 books, uh, if I'm being even generous with myself, because I went through such a multi-year reading slump that I felt, so my goal was 100. I think I went way too high Mm. for not having read for like multiple years, and then I'm going to read 100. I did it. (laughs) I made it. I read 100 books even. Uh, But I do agree that it was a little bit more stressful thinking about wanting to meet goal and I felt that I didn't allow myself to DNF books that should have been DNF Mm. books for me. Yeah. Um, I know you mentioned there were some books you didn't want to log. I have one book that I'm thinking of that I didn't even want to log. It was a one star. I would have loved to DNF it. Actually, realistically, I probably have like two or three that are in that camp. But I felt that once I made a commitment to starting a book and I got, let's say, 20, 30% in, I'm like, if I 
stop now, I'm not going to make my reading goal. So I did not love that hanging over my head. So I'm going to do a go- another reading goal in 2024, but I dropped it to 50. Okay. And yeah, that's what I have yeah. mindset at as well. Yeah. And you know what? If I read 50 books, great. If I read 75, great. And if I read 20, great. Because mm-hmm. sometimes life happens and you can only do what you can do. And people ask, like, how are you reading so many books? And, I, you know, I, I say, well, I don't really watch much, much TV. I don't want to say I don't watch any TV. I was watching Gilmore Girls this morning. Come on. (laughs) But I mean, as far as things go at the end of the night, after I get my kids down, I go to bed and I read until I fall asleep. I read until my eyes are, my eyelids are too heavy. Or sometimes I go grocery shopping and I have an audiobook, you know, playing or when I'm doing dishes or laundry. So I think it's feasible, but I definitely do feel that reading goals can suck the joy out of reading, at least for me, because I felt that. There were some books that wasted my time. Yeah. And I'm not going to let any books waste my time in 2024. If I don't like it, if I'm, you know, so far in that I'm like, this is just not for me. I'm going to find something else to read that brings me joy and, you know, fulfillment. So, you know, it was it was still fun. I'm proud that I did it. Um, and now that I'm not in a reading slump anymore, it's really exciting to be excited about books again. Mm -hmm. That's what I love. It's like being excited to read and having those conversations when you get your friends to read a book that you love and yep. you know that you're on this journey that's somewhat a singular journey or on it on your own, but you have other people that are going through it at the same time. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm excited about in 2024. And yeah, I'm going to try to read different authors. Like I think a personal goal for me is to have more diversity in the authors that I read. Uh, I was literally thinking to myself, like, I don't think I've read any Hispanic authors mm. in 2023. Maybe, you know, I did and I didn't think of it or mm-hmm. didn't, you know, I don't always look at every single author's like, per, you know, p- Facebook, you know, not Facebook page, like their Wikipedia page or whatever. Right. But I'm I'm going to be more specific about trying to read different authors. And, you know, there's a beautiful thing about books that are translated into our language. Yeah. We can enjoy authors from other countries and other walks of life. So that's another goal that I'm I'm going to inject into my 50s, like being willing to DNF books when they're not serving me. And trying to branch out and read different genres, different authors, different books, you know, doesn't have to be a repeat of this year. But yeah, I'm excited. Um, Are you looking forward to any books that that are going to be dropping in 2024? Well, not necessarily dropping, um, but I have taken a lot of my um, plan for this coming year from people who have been who are my friends on social media who have been posting their 2023 year in review um, from like the Barnes and Noble top reads or the Goodreads uh, readers choice. So a few of the ones that I've just recently added to my TBR, I had thought we talked about it a little bit um, in the last episode when we talked about TJ Klune and the uh, the book about puppets. I can't remember what it's oh, called yeah. exactly. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember um, the house in the cerulean sea. Mm-hmm. I had thought that I had that on my list, but I didn't. So I added that. Oh, okay. Um, I added at your suggestion. I added Project Hail Mary <gasps> and Ooh. Talking at Night. So Ooh. that's uh, Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir and Talking at Night by Claire Daverly. Um, and then I also added Remarkably Bright Creatures. Oh, that's on mine by Shelby Van Pelt. I've had several people recommend that to me. Um, one that I just recently added. Um, is called 
sweep. And it's a, I think it might not even be YA. I think it might be middle grade fiction. Um, But it's, it comes very highly recommended. So I'm going to read that. And then also One Dark Window, which I think is a duology at this point. By Rachel Gillis. Yeah. Yeah. That's on my TBR. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's exciting. Okay. So so we have some that I have some books that uh, cross with yours. Those are all sounding amazing. And yeah, I'm just trying to think if I have any that you didn't even talk about. I think Name of the Wind by uh, Patrick Rothfuss is high on my list for TBR. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear it's a fantasy series that's unfinished. Many of his followers do not think he will ever, ever, ever finish the series. But they say that Name of the Wind is one of the best books of all time. Okay. So, so this is a no similar pressure. to the George R.R. R. Martin. Yeah. <laughs> is it ever going to end? Yeah. Are we ever going to get the finale? Yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel. I mean, I think it's really a scary place when the fan fiction or like the fan theories exceeds mm. what the source material yeah. is doing. And I think that that's where George R.R. R. Martin is. That mm-hmm. the show fumbled. Yeah. Hard. Yeah. You know, you can go on a, a Song of Ice and Fire subreddit or whatever. Yeah. And people have these incredible theories. And I think he laid out all the breadcrumbs. Yeah. But I think that he wrote himself into a corner and doesn't know how mm-hmm. to bring it together. And it could be what happened with Mr. Patrick Rothfuss. I'm not exactly sure. But, you know, there's always that, an idea that maybe if someone doesn't finish their body of work, someone mm-hmm. else might in the future yeah. if they love the characters and can yeah. swing it, you know. So we'll see. Um I think I really want to branch out a little bit and do some classic literature. So Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to try to do Emma by Jane Austen. Okay. Because you said that was your favorite. And I've already read Pride and Prejudice. Emma's not my favorite. Wait, I do. I do like Emma. Oh, okay. Which one's your favorite? Uh, My favorite is, um, why can't I think of the name of it? Oh, my gosh. I've just completely blanked. Is it really your favorite? No, it is. Why can't it? Like, it just went out of my head because we were talking about it. Um, it's the one about the sea captain, and I can't think of the name of it right okay, now. Okay, hold on. Let's pause. Persuasion. Oh, Persuasion. Persuasion. Yes. Okay, so Persuasion. you did not like the movie then? Uh, the one that just dropped with Dakota Johnson, where she's oh, like... Uh, just, yeah, that, that I don't think it just dropped, but yes, I did watch it, and no, it's very different. I mean, if you look at it as its own entity, I think you can enjoy it, but as an interpretation of Persuasion, the novel, it was... It was not good. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. Um, you know what else I'm really excited to read? So I'm going to branch out a little bit and um, not branch out at the same time. So I think doing some classic literature will be my breakout. And then I'm really, really excited, obviously, for Crescent City 3. Mm-hmm. I said in our last episode that I do judge... Uh, judge i do trust sarah j mass then i told you in confidence that i don't know that i do yeah so we'll see how i feel after i read that book because that's really the only thing that's new that i'm really excited Mm -hmm. to read uh in 2024 i mean i'm sure the other authors that i like have books that are coming that i just don't even know about Mm -hmm. um i'm really 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 excited in 2024 it's very high on my list it's on my nightstand i am going to read um robin hobb Oh, so okay. Robin Hobb is considered like a very, very, very strong fantasy author. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's done a lot of talks and I think book tours with George R. R. Martin. So I think that they might be either friends or just, you know, really good professional colleagues. Um, he ha- always writes like blurbs on all of her books. Mm-hmm. And she has a series of like their trilogies, I think a duology and maybe a couple that are like four books long, but it's a 16 book 
story within the same universe with the same characters that kind of come and go throughout. But it's broken up into trilogies. So you technically could read, let's say, like the first trilogy and not go back and read any of the others. But if you stick through it and read all 16, it ends up being like this really beautiful, long Mm -hmm. character and story arc so she's high on my list and my husband bought me the first trilogy in the series for my birthday Mm -hmm. and i have the first one on my nightstand so it's i'm gonna read it okay i've like been looking at it but i wasn't in the right headspace like right now i'm on a romance kick whatever Mm -hmm. judge me no don't judge me please (laughs) um so yeah i mean and of course i'm gonna try to read Gollum and the Ginny. Yes, you have to read that I'm one. gonna, I'm gonna. It's on my list. I'm literally looking at it on my nightstand, not my nightstand, my library case. And uh, I am gonna try to do a little bit of Brandon Sanderson. I'm still really trudging along on Mistborn. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm waiting for it to blow my socks off and it hasn't yet, but yeah. people love it. So I feel like I'm only like 25% in and I just need to keep like, you know, mm-hmm. just get through it. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, I'm excited for you to read Throne of Glass. So I know. Yeah, that you so started- I just started Crown of Midnight. Um, so that's my plan is to power through those and get those done by the end of this month. I don't know if I'm going to go straight through. I mean, I think I'll have to sort of play it by ear. Like if I get so involved and um, and just can't put them down, then maybe I'll just go one right after the other. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll take a break in between. But that's my goal for Throne of Glass is to get it finished by the end of the month. In time for a Crescent City 3 release, which as we talked about in our previous episode, um, I, of course, I can't speak to the entire Throne of Glass series yet. But when I compare Crescent City to Akatar, I definitely was underwhelmed by Crescent City compared to Akatar. Yeah. Um, so I, but at the same time, I, I want to read the third one and I want to be prepared for any tie-ins and truly understand what's going on. Yeah. So. Yeah, the whisperings are that you have to, you should have read everything mm-hmm. else that she's written before you read Crescent City 3. I'm I'm scared. <laughs> like, I, I said I trust her last episode. I don't want to say that I don't trust her. But I, again, I'm just, I'm, I'm in too many groups where the theories are just so wild and amazing that it's hard if the fan base can come up with something that exceeds what the source material is, it's just a, it's tricky once you get to that stage, but I will say throne of glass. I don't think you'll be disappointed. Particularly. I know that you had started uh, crown of midnight. I'm going to say that queen of shadows is where it really picks up. That's where it's like incredible. And you're going to meet new characters that you don't know yet in crown of midnight. And what's, Um, where do I read assassin's blade? What, or where's this? Is that between Empire of Storms and Tower of Dawn? So I recommend, no. So I recommend if you do the romantic reading, I would recommend reading it in between Era of Fire and Queen of Shadows because in Queen of Shadows, you are going to see, you're going to meet a lot of characters that are featured because it's five novellas Mm -hmm. in um, Assassin's Blade. Blade. Yeah. So I would recommend reading it there. I mean, you, the purists would say you read it because it's the first one and no disrespect it's like one of those topics that i see in some of the groups i'm in people really fight really yeah it's the same thing with the narnia books and what order to read those in yeah yeah. i think you know read your own book you know (laughs) enjoy your own journey but i really did enjoy reading assassin's blade tucked in between air of fire and queen of shadows okay i felt that it had the most emotional impact for me i was sobbing but i will say that um Queen of Shadows is where it picks up. And, you know, if you don't decide to do the 
tandem read for Queen of Sh- Queen of Storms and Tower of Dawn. I think that's okay. I think knowing what I know of you, I think you'll enjoy Tower of Dawn more than okay. Empire, em- of, Empire Storms. of Storms and Tower yeah. of Dawn. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but, can- you know, they're all really, I'm going to reread them this year. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, for <laughs> sure. My friend told me that she's doing a Harry Potter reread in March and asked me if I wanted to join her. So I'm going to do that. So I think that's another thing this year is that I, I am someone that enjoys rereading books. I don't mm-hmm. know if you are as well. And yeah, I think it depends. Some I do. Yeah. So I think somewhere there like Harry Potter, especially when they came out when I was young, I think reading them at different stages in my life, it you pick up different details mm-hmm. or you just think about things differently. Um so I feel like the Throne of Glass series would be the same. And I think if I do my Harry Potter reread, we talked about Ending it on manacled. Yeah. Yeah. Like just reading it nice. and then just veering at Order of the Phoenix into manacled territory. Oh, so not even reading the last two books? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about it because so the friend that's doing it is, um, has read manacled with us. So okay. we, we're actually going to, uh, we're doing a book club book binding mm-hmm. in January, yep. which you're coming to. And we're going to yep. try to figure out how to bind manacled because you cannot buy fan fiction. That's, not good yep. for the authors, not good for the work. Yep. So we're going to try to see what we can come up with. So that will be very interesting. I'm hoping, I wish I would just could make crafty friends that would just do all the work and I would, yeah. could benefit from it. But I don't think that's happening. So <laughs> so we got to figure it out. We're going to have to figure it out. But yeah. And so I think, I mean, we read a lot. We're going to be reading a lot. We released our first four books of 2024. Yeah, on social media. So as we mentioned in our last episode, we're going to be giving you guys a heads up on what we're going to be reading rather than releasing the next title in the preceding episode. Um, So what are you looking forward to about these first four books of 2024? So I actually have not read a single thing by any four of these authors. Oh, I didn't realize that. Well, I knew a couple of them, but I didn't realize that was across the board. Across the board, I haven't read anything by any of these authors. Mm -hmm. So I'm extremely excited to just be introduced to new authors and new genres and just, you know, completely, I don't know, I don't have any expectations because I have nothing to compare it to. So I feel like I'm going into 2024 just being exposed to new authors. And I love that. Um, I've heard really good things about all four books. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just to quickly recap, we're going to start with Bear Town by Frederick Bachman. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's Bachman or Bachman. He's Swedish. And oh, okay. so I'm not exactly sure the pronunciation, but the way it's spelled in English, it would be Bachman. Bachman. So yeah. Oh, okay. And then we're going to do uh, The Dutch House by Ann Patchett. Mm-hmm. She's one of my favorite authors. Yeah. So I'm yep. excited for that. And I also have a good friend who's been really excited about that book. Mm-hmm. So... I haven't touched base with her to see if she already read it, but she was she bought it and was like, I'm so excited. And I saw that it is, or at least has been consistently available on Libby as an audiobook, and mm-hmm. it's read by Tom Hanks. Oh, so if that I didn't realize is that. of interest to anyone, I wanted to mention that. Um, I think it's great to, just as a side note, is us releasing the books far in advance gives people time to put things on hold or you know make right. sure that they have yeah, so they don't have to purchase it yeah. yeah yeah i think it makes it a little just a little more accessible because one thing that i'm going to do in 2024 is try to read the books that i own before i keep buying new books <laughs> and we'll see how that goes um so then the third is going to be caravel by stephanie who? stephanie garber garber Car- caraval i think caraval yeah so um this book was chosen by my daughter my 16 year old daughter who will be joining us as a guest on that episode i don't know if she would still claim this as her favorite series but um 
she because she's 16 and things change and even as adults our favorite books change as Absolutely. we as we read new things and as our tastes change but she definitely loves uh Stephanie Garber and her Caraval series she has also read the books in her Once Upon a Broken Heart series oh yeah which uh these are both trilogies and the third book in the uh second trilogy the Once Upon a Broken Heart trilogy just was released um a f- couple months ago. Oh, so my awesome. my daughter received that book for Christmas. So she's going to be finishing that up. But um, I know she's going to reread Caraval in anticipation oh, okay. of this episode. Is it YA fantasy? It is YA fantasy. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. All right. And so there is no, uh, there's no spice in these books. They're closed door romance. Okay. Um, so that's, you know, because sometimes in things that are marketed as YA, you'll find things that maybe are not what you would consider YA yeah. in terms of content and that sort of thing. Well, I noticed so, that Barnes & Noble moved all of Sarah J. Mass out of YA. Because, oh, they moved it out. Maybe well, they... Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I will say Throne of Glass is could be considered YA very mm-hmm. comfortably, very comfortably. But you get to Silver Flames and that has no business That's no y- yeah. being not in YA. YA. Definitely adult content. Same as Crescent City. Um, but yeah, no, that's awesome. I do love a good YA. That's mm-hmm. why I like Rebecca Ross too, because yeah. I like a good YA fantasy. Yeah, so I feel like sometimes YA gets a bad rap. I mean, there. that's one thing that um, one of my literature professors really pushed to us was it's important to read from all genres and all age groups in order to be a well-rounded um, you know, literary scholar, if you want to use that language, but just to be, have a have a full perspective, it's important to read lots of different things. Absolutely, I one hundred percent agree with your professor. <laughs> yeah, so that's what we're gonna we're gonna and we're gonna hold ourselves accountable to that on this mm-hmm. podcast. Yeah. Um. And so our fourth book that we are re- have released is one that I'm very excited for. I already went out and bought it <laughs> before I did my no buying books in 2024. <laughs> and that is The Heaven and Earth Grocery Store by James McBride. Yes. That was considered their book of the year for Barnes for and Noble. For Barnes and Noble. Yep. Very exciting. And I've heard wonderful things about James McBride. I've never read any of his work. Same. So I, I think we have, real, you know, four really strong books to kick off the year. And then I think what we'll do is once we are, maybe once we get to our third of that, we'll just go ahead and release yep. the next four. Yeah. Um, And, you know, we may intersperse some bonus episodes if we find ourselves having read something that we loved and we didn't maybe put it out to the podcast, but it warrants an episode or maybe two. I mean, Manacled got yeah. two. Um, and we might visit Manacled again in the future. I don't want to <laughs> say that we're not. But uh, yeah, we have a lot of exciting things. I'm very excited. And so, yeah, we have a lot to read. Yep. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. And hopefully, uh, I would also like to potentially uh, revisit some of the other series that we started, but I didn't finish mm-hmm. so far. I think I can only think of one, uh, which is not Crooked Kingdom. No, it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, we have a lot coming down the pipeline. And of course, um, we did get some new followers on our Instagram, which is excellent. We're really excited to have you here with us. If there are any books that you want us to check out, please either send us a DM, tag us, send it to us. We want to read more books, and sometimes we can't read them if we haven't heard of them. Yeah. So please yeah, share Yeah, we definitely will take recommendations into account. Join us next time when we discuss Beartown by Frederick Backman. If you like what you heard, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Bibliophiles at Home. 
Send us recommendations for books you'd like to hear us review at bibliophilesathome at gmail.com. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Camilla. Until next time, happy happy reading. reading! Send us recommendations for books you'd like to hear us review at bibliophilesathome at gmail.com. <laughs> We've done the whole podcast. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Okay, okay, let's try again.